everybody. Welcome to our show. I'm Liz. And I'm Taylor. This is a podcast for and about the town we love. And now we're talking Darien. Hello and welcome. Today is September 27th, 2022. And tonight we are recording our third episode in a series on our teens mental health. And tonight we have Susan Wiper and Greg Dahl of St. Luke's um, Episcopal Church and Roten Presbyterian Church uh, to talk about the role of faith in our children's mental health. Yeah, thanks, Taylor. I will say I'm a little anxious covering this episode tonight because I am not one who has practiced much organized religion in my life. But at the same time, I am very much looking forward to this episode because I think it brings solutions and some sort of hope in this sea of kind of anxiety and depression that we've kind of been swimming through in the last two episodes. Um, so I'm really looking forward to kind of hopefully giving some answers and some light into the tunnel with this episode. Yeah, beautifully said. Let's get started. All right, enjoy. And we're on. Hello, Greg and Susan. Hello. Hi, Liz, Taylor. Thank you guys so much yeah. for being with us. Thank you for having us. Privilege. Privilege. Oh, that's nice. Well, welcome to the Now We're Talking podcast studio. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, Yeah. So, you know, Taylor and I just did the intro here. And um, I have to say personally, you know, I'm excited about this episode because we've just done two other ones. We had the teenagers on to speak about their personal experiences. And then we brought in the mental health experts to kind of talk about what they're seeing, um, what they're sensing, how those stories resonate, you know, with their experiences. And they've been heavy. Uh, so I'm excited about this because in our pre-interview, this has been uplifting to hearing about how faith can be a a tool um, for cope, coping in general, mental wellness, um, you know, life skills. Mm. Um, so I'm looking at you, Greg, but I might go to you, Susan, and, you know, start us off here. Tell us, like, what your role is, what your church is, um, and, you know, what you do, how you are a resident in this town as well. Okay. Uh, well, yes, thank you for having us. We're really um, it's exciting to be here. Um, Susan Wiper, I am one of the associate rectors at St. Luke's Episcopal Church. It's the big stone church just across the street from the Neurotin Fire Department on the Post Road. And um, I'm thrilled to be here. The church has been my and my family's spiritual home for the 35 years we've been in Darien. I've served the church for six years now as its associate rector. I was a uh, associate rector in Bedford, New York for a decade before that. But it's the f- church that's raised us up and um, we find we find joy and strength and solace and all good things there. And um, I'm thrilled to sort of share how faith um, really can be a uh, huge part of someone's uh, mental health. So I'm excited to be here. I love that. Yeah, I do too. I can't wait to hear more about it. Um, Greg, how about you? Okay, so um, I'm Greg Dahl, and um, I've been in Darien since 2005. We came from the Midwest, and uh, from very, very rural Ohio to Darien, Connecticut. So it was uh, quite a uh, transition for us. But we've loved being here, and really, really love this, this this community. I have three children. All of them come up have come up through the Darien School District. So one's a senior in college, there's a junior, and one's a senior, and uh, served for about a decade as an associate, and then took a little hiatus to do some sports-based ministry. I'd been doing chaplaincy work with the New York Giants, and 
Then I moved over to work with the New York City Football Club as the chaplain. I'm still doing that. I came back in 2018 as a senior pastor at Neuroton. So I've been there for about four and a half years and just uh, uh, love being there, love the community. Really, really grateful to be part of it and um, happy to be here tonight. So thanks for the invitation. Yeah, yeah and you know, Susan, you also have kids, like Greg, you reminded me, yeah. Yes, uh, we raised our three boys, now young men. Um, also came up through the Darien school system, except for our middle son who spent two years at boarding school, but otherwise uh, royal to MMX, MM, MMS to the high school, um, having a fantastic time there. So yes, I feel like my first calling in Darien was definitely as a mom, um, and then to St. Luke's. So. Well, I think it, pro- it provides interesting perspective of the fact that you guys are leaders in our community, right? In our in our faith, in our churches here, but you also have the parental perspective, you know, expect experience, experience. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I going? With that? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. totally. I, yeah, I, I would love to. I mean, I don't know where to go down first, right? About your own experience with your own kids, but I know you've listened to the the kids that we interviewed. Yes. Um, and I'd love to hear, you know, first blush. What were your thoughts? Um, my first reaction was just um, just admiration. I mean, really, I was so struck by their honesty and their um, bravery, the courage that it took to sort of put themselves out there. I thought they were all so articulate around their own sense of self and, and, and their understanding of the feelings and what was happening in their lives. Um, so really, I, I have great hope for all three of them because they really, um, they are filling their toolboxes with tools and, and finding the help that they need. And I really think that they've got incredibly bright futures. Definitely. Yeah, I was a little blown away by it, honestly. Yeah. Um, I guess I didn't expect that level of honesty yeah. uh, with their struggles and really explicit um, at some level, but what that entailed. And to hear how they found um, help and support and love, um, to help them get through this, I thought it was really, really powerfully moving. But like yeah. Susan said, the courage to be transparent, I think not just transparent on this program, but uh, from what I gather, it sounds like they've been transparent and sharing their story with friends and anyone would, who would listen to them um, to give them hope and also yeah. a path themselves. Yeah. You know, I think people would think that we almost set this up like that. Like we had interviewed the kids; they had mentioned um, faith was one of their you know strategies for coping, and then we brought you guys in. But I should say for the record that we had, you know, Tony and I had planned to have this as a third part in our series before that we had spoken yeah, with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so fascinating that mm-hmm. two of the three kids had mentioned on their own volition that mm-hmm. faith has played a really important role here. And I didn't really grow up that you know, you know, with the weight of faith with that with that as one of my tools in a toolbox as you just mm-hmm. said Susan so um talk about that where are these kids getting this how is this you want to take that Greg yeah. well I think the, those tools can come from a, a number of places um, um I, I imagine maybe a couple of them may have been raised in the church so they, they learned about some some tools which um in my opinion might include being part of a community and a community of love uh, mm-hmm. That's going to walk alongside them and support them and encourage them and keep reminding them that you're part of the faith community. That the first part is just recognizing that that God is with you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that one of the most frequent refrains in all of Scripture is God saying almost 500 times that I'm with you. 
And I think he keeps saying it over and over and over again because when we go through difficulties in life or struggles, we might think that maybe he's abandoned us. So he keeps reminding us that I'll never leave you or forsake you. Scripture says he's watching over our coming and going, both now and forevermore. It says if you go up to the heights, I'm there. You find yourself in your depths, I'm there too. There's nowhere that you can ever go in your lifetime to flee from my spirit. So they keep being reminded of that, Mm -hmm. that not only are they beloved Mm -hmm. by God, and he's with them all the time, but the community comes alongside and says, we're with you too, and we love you unconditionally, and we see you and you hear you. And I think that's part of what the, the community of faith's role is, to walk alongside us through the, the challenges of life. And so I'm imagining maybe a couple of them didn't have that, but if I could add one more thing, I think it was interesting that one of them at least talked about Crosslet, mm-hmm. which was a started out as a fellowship of Christian athletes and the transit to reach out to a community which is largely unchurched. And what I mean by that is Darien on a given Sunday is only about 10 to 15% church in terms of people regularly attending church. And so to me that meant that let's call it 85 to 90% of the kids walking down the hallway at Darien High School are are unchurched or really haven't had much faith influence in their life. And so when the Fellowship of Christian Athletes started, it was amazing how it exploded and how the, the students respond almost overnight. It became the largest club mm-hmm. at the high school. And I think Gary had a big, he was a big part of that. But I think it was also a response of these students looking for that sense of community, hearing a message about God's love for them, and they responded so well to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our our youngest son, Silas, um, for sure, um, was a huge fellowship of, at that point, then called Fellowship of Student Athletes, was a huge piece of, um, uh, of his high school experience and his football experience. And it has struck me in thinking about football in particular that um, I've noticed that in the world of football, sort of faith is looms larger it seems to me than in other sports and i was sort of wondering why that, that there's something about the very sport itself that is that mimics sort of what we understand the church to be which is the body of christ where where if one part of the body is hurting the entire body hurts and if one part is rejoicing then the entire body rejoices and in football because every player has this very specific job like a cog and wheel, that it works in the same way. I mean, the football team acts in that sort of same way because they need every person to be well and to be good and to be whole for the play to work. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, it's almost kind of this um, life-mimicking um, what we sort of talk about in the world of faith. I, I like you know. I thought you were going to say something different. And by the way, I think football players need to have religion because of the number of concussions those guys could get. You got to believe. You got to have the faith. <laughs> right. Otherwise, you're in trouble. But um, I was thinking when you said like if one if one part of the body isn't isn't is broken or not working, the rest is. And you were talking about the football team as a whole. But I just thought you were talking about individual. Like if one part of you isn't working, you know, if like your faith, or even if like uh, you know, not even like well, sh- take it, yeah. Sure, right? Back I mean, away from it mental. is true, right? For if, sure. Right, you know, you have your wrist isn't working, right? Then it like translates to your ankle and then it's like, then it gets in your head and you're like, oh my gosh. And then you, like, you know, then your diet gets, I mean, the whole, that's what I thought you were starting to talk to and that kind of like, 
Tara looking at me like I'm crazy. You know what I'm no, saying? no, no, no. I'm I'm actually having my own thoughts because I had this other thread in my mind that it was about you know like the nature of the sport being so masculine so violent at times and you know that might run counter to who these guys really are at home and they may have to reconcile that a little bit and like mm-hmm. you know being able to connect with god in a peaceful place helps to balance them from that you know that mm-hmm. that lifestyle i don't know I, I don't know if that has anything to do with it but well greg i find it interesting that you have taken on this chaplain role can we talk about that like the, the, sure. the fact that like a neurotin presbyterian i don't say it looks is the same way but neurotin presbyterian seems to have a heavy role in our athletes lives um from you know what we interviewed with gary morello like you know nine oh, months ago, he was ago. On here. Yeah. um and then you have this chaplain role i mean you worked with the new york giants that's so cool that's so cool yeah, so it started out as I sort of a fill-in chaplain on the weeks when I need someone to speak to the team. I did that for the Giants for about five years. And, and then when the New York City Football Club came to town and they needed a, a full-time regular chaplain, I, I transitioned over there. But in the midst of working with the Giants, that's really when I started working with the high school football team where Susan's son Silas was the quarterback at the time. And Rob Trafone actually called me and said, I heard what you're doing with the Giants. Any chance you can do the same thing at the high school? And I said, well, I can't do exactly the same thing because there is a little separation between church and state going on here. But (laughs) I can come here and be kind of a special advisor and and encourager um, for the the athletes. And so I I jumped into that role and just really loved it because it was was an opportunity, again, just to um, develop these relationships with the boys and again be there to encourage them and to support them yeah what is chaplain for those who don't understand that term yeah well we didn't use the word chaplain at the high school but the word chaplain i think they use chaplain rather than pastor because it it encompasses um any faith so the team that i work with in new york we've got guys who are or who are muslim and who are christian who don't have any faith at all and my responsibility is to provide uh, spiritual care for anybody. So that can be a player, it can be a coach, it can be uh, um, it can be an administrator, and and that role just is really again to come alongside them, to listen to them, to support them, to encourage them. At time they want me to pray for them. I've officiated a couple mm-hmm. weddings, so if one of the Muslim players is injured and ends up in the hospital, I go and see him and support him and pray for him in the same way I would someone who's uh, a, a Christian. So. That chaplain designation really means you're ministering to everybody, regardless of their faith or or no, no faith, faith background at all. Yeah, but the relationship between sports and religion, like I, that's not like a um, a natural connection. I guess I would have made, but like the more I've spoken to the two of you guys, I feel like those that those roots run deep. The two of them are running in parallel in both your lives, and and then your work, Greg. Yeah, most teams. I mean. The Northeast may be a little bit different, but where I grew up, I grew up in the Midwest. I know it's the same way in the South. We're accustomed to having a chaplain or a pastor on the sideline during the games. And the Fellowship of Christian Athletes groups are huge in those areas. When I went to University of Kentucky to play football, that's the first time I was introduced to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I showed up and like 300 students are there. So it was a big part of it. And it really is integrated into the the life of the the sporting the sports teams at the university. 
All right, so we're gonna take a quick pause because I wanna say thank you to tonight's sponsor, which is Halen Anson, a business, a shop that's been in town for 45 years. And actually after 16 years, their general manager, Corey, has now purchased the store and is gonna continue their legacy their legacy of high quality service and beautiful merchandise that you know their customers have come to expect. And then a fun fact about Corey, she is on, didn't hear about this, at the sidewalk sale that we broadcast live from. Yeah, she's so great. Um, and while Helen Anson is best known for their carefully curated selection of evening gowns and cocktail dresses they also carry a wide range of casual clothing for day night or workwear helen ainson prides itself on offering a one-stop shopping experience so that all of their customers special event needs are met in one place very well said taylor i mean literally one place one-stop shop you could be going to the red carpet this if you go into this place they have all sorts of tricks from tapes and bras and shoes and purses and you know everything jewelry it's, it's it really has and, and it's it's curated they have a you know shopper that helps you each time you go in so if you stop by helen ainson um and the, in the near future here, and you say, you mentioned, now we're talking dairy, and you can get 20% off a single casual item. So it's a great deal. It is a good deal. Um, so with that said, we're getting back here. We have Susan Wiper from St. Luke's Parish here with us tonight, along with Greg Dahl of Neuroton Presbyterian, Presbyterian Church. Sorry, I have a hard time saying that every time, guys. Um, let's go back to what we were saying. I do want to you know, bring this back to the kids, and I'm curious, um, you know, when you talked about like, Crosslet and the the demand that there is for this service, are you seeing a generational like surge in interest in a, a life and faith? Like, are you is it different or is it just steady as she goes? Is you know of all ages? Do you find this generation to be more interested? Hmm. Well, statistically, of course, um, the numbers of Sunday average, you know, average Sunday attendance at churches is on the decline in our area and generally along across mainline churches. I think Darianne bucks that trend a little bit. Um, and COVID was difficult, um, but I think like we've we've now back to two full Sundays of September and had tons of kids, tons of families, tons of, um, you know, packed pews, really, um, a lot of energy. I think, I think coming out of COVID, there's a renewed sense of, uh, like a, a chance to restart. Like, let's think this through again, where are we going to put our priorities? Um, and I'm hopeful that, that some of them will land back into this sort of giving over to, to, to a, to a, to a faith, to this, to a mystery that is, that, that gives you back your belovedness as opposed to you give yourself over to social media and it gives you back competition or FOMO or like I feel like there really is this opportunity to to come to faith and um, with new eyes for people who haven't been there before. I would imagine there's a demand kind of across the curve as you'd say like of all ages just because of what we've all been through with COVID and you know mm. so many tragedies. But I am, we've talked before about the generational differences between our young people today and maybe their parents. The kids that were born, you know, I've talked about this before, like between 1997 and 2012, their generation Z, mm -hmm. they have seen a lot, right? They were mm -hmm. born around September 11th. They've suffered the financial crisis. They watched their parents lose their jobs, lose their homes, whatever. They've now had COVID to deal with. I mean, there's just one thing after another. Um, 
And I, I would not be surprised to, to hear that they're more interested in, in finding the why, the why to live. Mm. Um, because guidance, but the why I think comes from faith a lot of the time. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I think sort of the joke with us is that when things are going south in the culture, our business sort of goes north. You know? <laughs> yeah. When things are difficult, people are coming and looking for answers. And we saw that a lot in COVID. Um, I think COVID made people feel like the ground beneath their feet was shifting in unsettling ways. And so they were reaching for handholds and looking for something steady and constant. And so, you know, we had a pretty good surge of people who were coming back to church or coming to church for the t first time looking for answers or, or help to make sense or support or, um, or, or maybe just a community mm -hmm. to be a part of in the midst of it. But I do think what we're seeing among the young people, you know, my answer to your question would be, I think there is something unique that's gone on in Darien, particularly in the last five or six years. And I think that's because of what happened with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, how that group exploded. I mean, we're talking, we started, when we started, it was at 6.45 in the morning, and there were 120 kids showing up before school at 6.45 in the morning. We had a pool of 300 kids that were coming in and out of that every week, and half of them had no church background at all. Yeah. So I've said this publicly, and I'll say it again. I think it was the most significant spiritual thing that's happened in Darien in about 50 years. Wow. wow. There, there was something called a miracle in Darien that happened in the 70s. It was kind of revival, renewal that went, went through here. And I think I would put this in a similar category because of the number of students that responded, again, that didn't have a faith background. We're learning about faith. Back to your original question, we're receiving some tools particularly from Gary, of how to navigate the stresses and the difficulties of being a student and a student athlete at Darien High School and the way that they responded to it was amazing. And COVID was hard because we couldn't meet. And then I'm just thrilled to say that, you know, this it, it's coming back around yeah. and the numbers are returning yeah. to where they were before. Yeah. If you haven't been to it, you should go sometime uh, on Monday morning. It's, it's quite extraordinary to see these kids come out before school and hear this message, positive message of how to live a life of purpose and a life that's connected to God. You know, if I, to talk about like this, yeah, the, yeah, the uh, rejuvenation of, you know, the young kids, I would be remiss if I didn't go to the last six months and the tragedies that have come here and, you know, and looking at, I'd like to think the positivity that's come out of that. And I want to ask you guys about kind of how your church has come together and what's happened in that. And and in doing so, I, I asked, um, you know, he couldn't be here, but Father um, Father Paul Murphy of, what is it? St. Thomas, Thomas, Thomas More. Um, he wrote something because we had asked him, you know, similar questions. And he himself brought up the idea of, you know, um, you know, th this idea of kids coming back into the church and you know, the rejuvenation of just, you know, of the population. And he said something that I thought was interesting and about, um, if I can just read his words, sure. do you guys mind? Um, so Father Paul wrote, there's a final point regarding the response to last year's tragedy that is a sign of hope to the town of Darien. In the immediate aftermath of every one of these tragedies, I received phone calls from parents asking to come with their teenagers and speak to me about the tragedy. Within the hour of those first calls were followed up by 
the same parents saying there were several teenagers and parents who would like to meet with me. In the end, each of these in each of these instances, there had ended up being approximately 100 teenagers and their parents coming to the parish church to reflect on the tragedy in the light of faith, and though of different de- denominations and faiths, to pray together and to comfort one another. I know this was not unique to St. Thomas More Parish, but that there were similar responses in many of our local faith communities. I mean, this is kind of similar to what you guys were saying. The faith response of so many of our teenagers and their parents is assigned to all of us. Our teens do still believe do in some way practice their faith, and that our efforts to encourage them to practice their faith, no matter how feeble, frustrating, and fruitless it may seem sometimes, are in fact bearing good fruit. It is worth sometimes the Herculean effort of parents, clergy, and our communities to do our part by word and by example to pass our faith to our children. What do you guys think about that? I thought that was so beautifully said, the the, the whole thing. But can I also just add on there, as I'm hearing you talk about the kids, like I know I was forced to go to church as a kid and I rejected it as a result. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how many of our generation raising these kids now was in the same boat. Like, you know what, I'm not gonna force this on you. Mm -hmm. And now the kids are seeking it because they haven't been forced, maybe? Do you but, see that? Well, this is the debate, though, because what he, what, you know, you know, Father Murphy's saying He's is saying that you should because the, the Herculean effort to force your kids, they are now, when in tragedy, unfortunately tragedy, they are now coming out because they have that foundation. So, sorry, I don't know, I yeah. debate. You guys talk. So. I think we've also given them um, a series of different portals of entry into faith, and so I'll just give you know my own son as an example. So my son, who's a senior now, um, on a, each week we say, you know, you can choose what you want to do. You can go to church on Sunday morning. You can go to youth group on Monday night, or you can go to Crosslet on on Monday morning. I, I don't care which one you go to. Just pick one, and it gives him an option to choose from. And um, he is, uh, I think, his faith has developed and thrived by being part of the youth group that's typically what he picks on Monday night and that's the place where he develops and so so maybe it's a little different model than maybe we were raised with with you're going to go to church with us on on Sunday every morning I personally um, I hope um, I hope this okay that I say this but I think sometimes that's counterproductive um, and I see th- I see kids to force the rejecting kids. yeah by the time they get in high school particularly I think around 16 17 and 18 if you're forcing them I think it's counterproductive and allowing them to choose the faith on their own choose to come exactly. on their own I think is a healthier way to do it I don't know what you think about that Susan I would I would agree Greg I, I think that I think that it is a delicate balance between um, forcing kids and um, how do I want to say it? If 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 we take as a given that like there are a lot of stressors in this town, and that kids' schedules are already chock a block full and can't possibly bear yet another thing, and then we're trying to sort of add church to that, also, I can I can see how like that just isn't going to work. And my boys, when they came through. Um, after after confirmation, which in our tradition happens around eighth grade, and it's where um, you, at an age, in our church, we baptize infants, so before the age of reason. And at confirmation, young people take on for themselves the promises that had been made for them at baptism. So that happens in eighth grade. And then it was sort of our understanding that after that, they would do something that would 
kind of live out that those promises and they could decide what that was S quite similar to the choices that that Greg is setting up and they all chose to be acolytes which is a sort of a uh, an assistant in the service and basically it just put them in the like it put them on the chancel in the altar area and there they just their minds just got to s be quiet um, and I remember I would come home from work, from, uh, work in Bedford and ask Sai, so, you know, Sai, what did David preach on today? And he'd say, Mom, I don't know. That's just my <laughs> quiet space. <laughs> but he so valued that quiet space. And I feel like sometimes we think we're giving them one thing and what they're receiving is actually another. Um, and both are positive. And both are positive. That's cool. Yeah. 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 I might add one thing, and that is, um, we have three different services, yes. very different. So we have a nine o'clock, which we call our traditional service. We have a 1030, which is what we call our less traditional service. And then we have a Wednesday evening service, which is very modern and very different. It's in the round. It's very interactive. It's very engaging. That, that was designed in part, too, to create a space for those who can't, who can't make it on Sunday morning. Because at this point in our town... All the sports now have practices on Sunday morning, and that's changed since I arrived. But uh, you know that that ship sailed, and so at this point, we're, we're trying to create spaces where people can still come in if they can't make it on Sunday morning. And it's a very popular service, and it's a good option for families who can't come on Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. I want for any young people who are listening and like, yeah, I'm intrigued. But I mean, I know I even feel guilty that you know i haven't made my kids go to church is it too late for them like i've got one that's already in eighth grade and he hasn't done any of that work like can can I, you dive in at any point absolutely ask, absolutely ask gary morelli right, i think they're right. gonna say do you really think these two lovely people across the say it's too late for you did you <laughs> really I, I want them to say that on air so that people listening the like kids listening might have right. the same question or concern like you know yeah. well, i'm too old to do that like yeah, yeah i didn't get baptized our, or i didn't do my confirmation but I would be intimidated by the social groups. Like if there's like a tight knit, like, you know, if I walk in there, like, are they all going to know each other? And also, am I going to get called out? I get a little, mm. no. You know, like, no. I'll, I'll just answer no to Go both of those. <laughs> yeah. we, and, and particularly, we have a 5 p.m. Sunday service, which was actually designed um, in large measure for skiers. Taylor, no so your, mm -hmm. your family would fit right in. Huh. Folks who have been away oh, for the weekend, they yeah. come yeah. home just before, and then they have this lovely five o'clock service before. Unless it's a powder day. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, before church, uh, before school, the next day, and um, but it's a, it's called Kaya, which stands for "Come as you are," and quite literally, you know, kids come in their, in their baseball uniforms, in their whatever they can come dressed any which way they want. The, the littlest ones sort of wander around. It's got a praise band. It's very, very mm -hmm. accessible welcoming it's got a, the sweetest spirit i mean it, it's just a place where you you leave feeling better and when you know what else i think is interesting is that when we talked about this is the um programs and things you're offering in light of what's gone and dairy gone on in dairy in the last six months um can you guys you know i might start with you greg can you tell me some of the things that you you guys were pretty close to the tragedies mm -hmm. that came here yeah um how did you respond to them what did you offer what did you guys see I think we talked a little bit about this, but that was really, you know, it was pretty extraordinary what happened. Um, 
So I mentioned to you, my son is a senior, uh, knew all three boys. So he was on the short list of the school who knew all three of them. So he shared with me that he was sitting in his history class and a few kids in the class just started crying. And they were looking at their texts and then they just got out, got up and walked out of the class. And then they started looking at their texts and before long he said his teacher got up to find out and there were kids in the hallway and then he said, the students just started walking out of the school. And they began walking to homes where they were gathering together. And so um, Gary and I got wind of this and we ended up in a couple of these homes. And at some point we said, you know, we need to create a, a gathering place for these kids. So, and what did they want? Did they want to talk about it? Did they just want to be together and cry? They just quiet? wanted to be together. They wanted to, to be together and to cry together, to grieve together. And I think it, it was probably wanted someone to say a prayer. Um, so we quickly um, said, let's, let's just open the sanctuary at 3 o'clock. And 500 kids showed up wow. in the sanctuary. And they sat there for two hours and cried together. It was powerful. And we had a piano player just play um, for two hours, and we said a few very short prayers. But it was important that they were they were together. And I think being I think being in that place probably for them they wanted to go to a place that represented transcendence and that represented a place where they might find peace or comfort or a sense of God's presence something to comfort them in, in the midst of that but they just wanted to be together so it was it was quite a, an extraordinary response that when they had when they were experiencing something so tragic and didn't know what to do with it mm-hmm. that they ended up in the church. All right, there's an they instant. Knew, they knew yeah. exactly where to go at the time. So there's been that that instinctive response to come to you, and, and probably a good portion of them are not regular churchgoers. And I wonder how many of them now are kind of like, well, that was a really great feeling, actually, to feel supported mm-hmm. in that moment. But I'm not comfortable going back on a regular basis, maybe, or being part of something so formal and organized. Um, you know, how do you feel about, you know, is it is it enough to talk to God on your own, to pray at home or, you know, have a relationship with God outside the church? Or do you feel like you need to be a part of that community in the building to really be, you know, receiving? Um, I, no. Um, the buildings, uh, the buildings are beautiful. The buildings are um, traditional. The buildings have long storied histories. Um, and God is everywhere. Like, even our little, so our, in our prayer school, we have children's chapel every Thursday. And, um, you know, we, we say that we come to the chapel because it's a place where we can set aside time to remember that we're with God. But then you ask the kids, but are we, where else are we with God? And it's like those little three-year-old and four-year-olds know that they're with God everywhere. Um, so, no, you certainly don't have to come to a church. I think um, that was such a beautiful um impulse and and initiative and like that gathering i can just like feel the pathos of it um and i think that part of what the instinct is is that 
and I wrote this in one of the reasons I want to make sure that I had said before I left was that I think why faith is good for our mental health is because it promises us that darkness doesn't have the last word. And so when those kids gather in a, in a church after a, an unfathomable tragedy, hopefully they're being like held in this embrace that promises them that darkness doesn't have the last word, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that, ha- that happens in churches. It can happen on the side of a ball field. Um, good place to start. That's you know? a really beautiful statement. Um, that is a beautiful yeah. statement. I mean, absorbing it. Father Murphy wrote in his email to us, and I liked it, and I underlined it. Um, he said, to paraphrase St. Paul, it is not the victories in life, but more often the tragedies, sufferings, and mysteries of life that bring us to God, even to our knees in prayer. And it's so true. Um, and I'm so glad that so many of these young people have taken tragedy and found God. Like, that's great. I hope we can, you know, help them. I love what you said about, you know, darkness not having the last word. And I hope if, if they take nothing away from the series, then that, that's, that's a gift. Hmm. Um, so easy to get bogged down in treatments of different, like going back to therapy, which I totally you know, support have engaged in and whatever. Um, I think that that's a why, you know, mm-hmm. that the darkness doesn't have the mm-hmm. last word. That's, mm-hmm. that's Greg, hard to find. Greg, look, you're going to say something. No, I, I love what, what Susan said as well. Um, like they were um, looking, looking for, for light. For light, or right. Following a place that they, they felt like led to, to light. And I, so I think, you know, to, to answer your question a little bit, in terms of, I agree with Susan, um, that's the beauty of, of God being with us, again, always, that we can encounter him anywhere, uh, we can engage him anywhere. In fact, just I can speak personally, I, I mean, I try to remain in a place of communion and conversation with God all day, all day throughout the day, anywhere I am, wherever I am. Um, and I'm re- really, really grateful um, that I have that, that relationship that's so life-giving um, for me, and leads me daily into these places of, of great peace, and contentment, and joy, and again, I'm reminded each day of that I'm beloved, and that mm-hmm. that is what defines me, and I find my my deepest sense of identity as being a child of God, a son of God, where I know I'm loved eternally, unconditionally. So I I walk through my day with that as my identity and that really colors the way I walk through the world. So I think that's uh, when the church is doing its job, it is reminding people of that, reminding you that you're beloved and you're seen and you're beautiful and you have purpose and you're not alone. And so I think that's the the gift of being in of of who you are in Christ. That we, yes, we can hear that by ourselves, but it sure does help to keep hearing that um, from other people, and I'm sure St. Luke's is the same way, but you know, our, our, our goals, if you come and you visit our church, what we want you to feel welcomed. We want you to feel affirmed. We want you to be reminded of your purpose 
an infinite value because you're created in the image of God. Right. We want to keep reminding you so that when you come in, when you leave, you feel very differently. Well, here's a question. What if, uh, do you feel, do you want people to feel seen? And I ask this because what if you want to come in and you don't want to be seen? What if you just want to, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be mean in this conversation. What, what, what if you just want to take? What if you just want to yeah. sit and feel and take and not? No, you're shaking that, your head at me, Susan. No, I'm shaking my, I, I absolutely, come, do that. Is that I mean, selfish though? No. I, I spent my entire college career like walking from one church to another on a sun, on Sunday mornings and just sort of walking in the in the you know quietly in the back door and sitting in the back pew and just absorbing and 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 you know entirely anonymously, um, yeah, absolutely. God always God had His hand on me from from the beginning. I I I, I remember and recognize that. And when we played you know dress up and. Um, I actually was uh, born into a Roman Catholic family, um, and um, when we played dress up and, and games and stuff, I was always the person who married people and <laughs> served communion. And <laughs> um, uh, but um, but life takes you in a lot of different places before um, the, the the sort of pounding on your back is becomes insistent. And actually, I, I credit my husband. I had I applied to divinity school any number of times along on the way of our our journey together. Um, and then finally, when our youngest son was going off to kindergarten, um, George sort of said, hey, Spider, you have to either like... Spider? Spider. <laughs> no, that's adorable. We just caught her. He's got a nickname sneaking yeah. in there. That's great. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Keep going, well, actually, Spider. Actually, interestingly, um, so that nickname came about um, in college when... So I my only sort of mental health experience like official experience if you will um was that i've always been slim but i ended freshman year of um of college at five eight and under 100 pounds so um that's um so i was not well no i was not well and um thanks to supportive family and an incredible friend who did just what those the 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 young woman in, in the podcast talked about she just the ministry of presence she chirped and chirped and chirped after me she was there and there and there um and then a really good doctor who was non-alarmist but also firm and um so made my way back but when i came back to school i had been a runner and a swimmer in high school very individual sports when i came back i joined the uh, hockey team which was early in the days of women's hockey and all you needed basically was a brother who played hockey and I had one of those. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I got the nickname Spider because I was sort of splayed all over the ice oh most gosh, of the time. But it stuck, but I keep it and I it, it has become so much a part of me because it was a mark of where I was and where I got to. I, I love that. that. Yeah, I like that's that a too. Good story. Um, can I do go back to um, you know of dance around this I want to can I yes. can I I'm yes, sorry. Greg, I just yes, want to add can. one thing. But I loved your question about, hey, can I just come in and sit and is that okay? And yes. you know what's interesting about COVID is that we discovered uh, that uh, introverts love the live stream. Yeah. And as a result, some of them are still far more comfortable watching the service. I was going to ask, remotely. are you still doing it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then coming. Um, and And we still have those who do just like to sit there and don't feel as comfortable interacting but really want to be there and part of the community and as part of the live worship service so 
you can come in any way you like and participate to whatever extent you'd like as well. Um, yep. Well, start anywhere and build up or yep. or pull back or yeah. absolutely yeah absolutely and and to um, Gary's point about choices in terms of getting kids in, you don't even have to come through the sort of worship door. Um, you can come through the youth group door. You can come through. Uh, we have a group called Global Philanthropy Leaders where the kids are making sort of micro loans to. Um, so you could come through an economic door. I mean, you could come through a social justice door. There are all sorts of ways in that. Um, they just sort of yeah. quietly sort of move yeah. you in the direction of, of opening yourself to something that's so amazing. Every church has, the, has members or those who visit who will come and sit in the back and arrive late, and they're going to leave early. But they come every week to participate at some level in the worship. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, this was what I was kind of alluding to earlier about that you know what you guys are offering, like the breadth, variety of what you're offering to get more people interested. I think this is a great way how the church is like, I would say reinvented themselves, but just modernized itself. Maybe is what Definitely, I'm looking to yeah. do. And you know, um, and uh, Father Murphy had said too that they bring in a speaker series. I think once a year, at least once a year, maybe I don't want to misquote him, but he you know he has the, these talks, you know, and, oh, and they cover the issues that, the, that these teenagers are going through, the pressures, and one of them is they do social media and internet talks, you know, and the, the amount of pressures and backlash from that. Um, another one they are they doing is the issue of bullying, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of actually might even overlap with social media because that's like, you know, Tara and I were talking with these, you know, I don't know if you heard on the interviews. Bullying isn't any longer throwing a kid in a locker no. and pouring yogurt on its head. You yeah. know, it's like going to an app where you can say something that's deleted from the world within an hour, so no mm-hmm. one can trace it. That yeah. was that was amazing to me. That a whole idea of that Snapchat thing, the whole idea that it disappears and is never seen again. Yeah, I mean, remember your mom used to say, you know, "Don't you know, don't say anything to anybody that or don't that yeah. you wouldn't write down on the that front you page put, of the yeah. paper." Yeah. yeah, yeah, but these kids are living with. It's hard to like. I, I I wonder how how do you guys even relate to these kids? Like, I have a hard time. And like, and the third girl talk about her stories or like the outfits they wear, the pressures. And and they said, one of them said, even like I know one of the things that bothers me. My parents say, you know, this is just a phase. This is just a time. That I she knew that intrinsically that was the right answer. That like that made sense. But it was annoying for her to hear um, because that moment in time while it is a moment in time it was her world it's everything and so when i think about that spirit spiritually it's hard to pull back and Mm -hmm. say okay this is just a snapshot in time this is just me and there's a bigger god there's a bigger world like i don't know how kids have the maturity to sense that yeah there's so much maturity in perspective i mean even as adults we struggle with it right and to ask these kids to do it is so what do you guys say to that to like to offer guidance Um, I had a wonderful old mentor who used to use the, the term act as if. So for example, if, um, if you're really not feeling, uh, like you're not feeling faithful or you're not feeling joyful or you're not feeling act as if, and that it will catch up to you. Um, I think that does sort of work. I think, I guess the other place my mind goes to is the sense of, um, what a church is 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 corporate from like the word for body like it's it's all of us and so 
our prayers are corporate. So for example, on a day when I'm having trouble holding it all together, because I'm standing next to you saying the same words, you're holding that for me. And then when you're having a bad day, I'm holding it for you. So that there's this sort of um, support. support. Yeah. Yeah. I, fi- I find it heartbreaking, honestly. Um, I've sat, I've sat in on um, more counseling sessions than I care to admit with a, a young person in crisis who's been wounded by something that happened on social media or, or broken by it. Yeah. Like they come in and they're trying to figure out how do they transfer or, or do they move because they, they can't go back into school after, after this happened. And it's just so, so painful. And I've always thought that social media has kind of been like the Trojan horse that's brought so, so, so many things into our children's world yes. that are so dangerous so for them. So it really is heartbreaking. But, but back to Susan's comment, I think of what we do offer them, again, and this is what the church is about, young people can smell a phony five miles yeah. away. And Gary's very authentic and genuine in his love for them. So, you know, he can come alongside those parents and encourage those kids too and, and, and say to them, you know, we're here for you and we're going to walk with you through it. Yeah. But, but I'm, I always say I'm, I'm just sorry that we're even having this conversation, that you're, you're having to live in this world with, with this kind of pressure and the way in an, in an instant you can feel like your, your life is destroyed and how many of us as adults say, thank God they didn't have social media when I was a kid, right? right. I wasn't mature right. enough to handle that. I would well, have put, put something on there that I would have regretted terribly. Would have said something about somebody probably what I regretted terribly. The relationships that have been destroyed by it. So it, it's hard. It, it is a, it's a tricky, tricky negotiation with, with the phone and the social media and all that comes yeah, well, along with it. Yeah. They obviously need support, and I think they, you know, can find some support in the church, and that's great, or in faith. And I want to be very clear that this, I don't have any intention of making this denominational. I think right. a child can go to a synagogue or to a temple sure. and find, a, you know, any any religious organization mm-hmm. that, you know, is teaching them to love themselves and that God loves you or the higher power loves you is, is a beautiful thing. Like, I don't want this to be, you know, interpreted any other way. Um I think one of the most beautiful things I ever read, though, as a kid, and I, I mentioned earlier that I rejected the church because, you know, I had been forced as a kid and anyway, found my way back on a personal level. And uh, one of the nicer things I think that helped bring me back was there was, and I think it was after someone had died and there was a picture of footprints on the yeah, beach mm-hmm. on the sand, yeah. and two sets of footprints and then there was yeah. only one. And, you know, the person says, God, why did you leave me when time was, my time was so difficult? And he said, no, my child, that's when I carried you. I thought that was really beautiful. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's funny because, you know, that kind of little things along the way have like marked my path of realizing now that the more I look for it, the more it's there, right? Mm-hmm. That God is with us. And I hope that kids can find that in this. I mean, I don't know any other answer for kids facing the pain that they are today. I think that's, that's the only thing I can come up with, mm-hmm. you know, is knowing that, that you're loved and supported by a higher power, whatever you choose to believe that to be yeah and you're loved and supported not because you're the captain of the football no, team or no. because you're beautiful or because you have exactly. a big house or any of those kind yeah. i mean this psalm that greg started with you know you god knit them together in their mother's wombs i mean he they are fearfully and wonderfully made i mean they are and they have a purpose yeah I mean, 
Yeah. Each and every one of them. Yeah. You know, by the way, we talked about um, Greg, your associate, Gary, but Susan, it, it must be worth worth mentioning that you guys have a new... We do have a new rector. A new rector Ryan. that I've heard quite a buzz about. Yes, he's fantastic. Yeah? Yeah, he's, he's, he's great. He and his husband, Dan, have uh, um, been here since uh, two years now. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's, he's, he's young. It's um, a little bit ironic. He looks very much like my eldest son. <laughs> um, so it puts me in sort of an interesting... Uh, place as an employee but uh um <laughs> he's he's a fantastic priest and p- pastor and preacher and yeah he's a wonderful guy well so, i think you know all my friends who are you know religious and attached to one of the organizations in town they're all like mine is the best yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's great it's it's awesome yeah. to to hear that yeah. and feel that and yeah. and then to have you guys sitting here everyone's like you know right it's yeah. like supportive it, and it's like your dog washer your acupuncturist they're always the best yeah. right you got to go to your guy but i think we're all i think we are like all in it together right mm-hmm. we're all it's just we're all looking for the same thing mm-hmm. the, the the church the synagogues the we're all yeah. looking for the same thing right yeah yeah and we we like to say there are approximately twenty thousand you know, uh, Darianites here. And on any given Sunday, all the churches are, are ministering to about 2,000. So there, there are lots of folks in the town still that we, we would love to, to reach and care for. There's plenty, plenty. And so we're, we're serving together and, and caring together and partnering together in the gospel. Yeah. Well, thank you for all the ways that you have reached out to touch this community and supported especially our kids uh, and especially in the last six months. Thank you both and thank you for spending the time with us unless you have anything else to add i'm just no I, I yeah I, I, yes i did actually i was thinking like and that's why it comes back to why we started this podcast and kind of what you guys are saying like opening up this communication bringing us together and um focusing on how we're more alike mm-hmm. yeah for right sure. which is great that you know to you guys from you know different churches coming together i mean you guys look seem to me the way you interact like your best <laughs> friends i feel like you guys m- must get up there and, and and preach every day together but you know, i don't know it's, it's one like we, we yeah. if we started tomorrow and they said you know susan's going to come and serve at npc seamless and one thing i mentioned to you I've, I've had this conversation with a good buddy of mine who's the jewish rabbi in stanford for the last eight years we've had a weekly conversation and he's the uh rabbi at a good shalom and stanford and after eight years of having this conversation, Susan, we've come to this settled place where we believe that we converge on about 85% yeah. of our beliefs. And there are some big, you know, there are some things that That's are... a big deal. Yeah. And so we stay on, on those convergences. Yeah. We, we, we know, we realize there are things that, that separate us that are important, but we choose to focus on the things that uh, we have in common. And the conversation you're having with us right now, mm-hmm. if Rabbi Cohen was here, yes. he'd be in agreement with totally. us. And they're taking the same approach and dealing with the same things with young people in social media and how they're trying to come alongside and support and love and tell them about the unconditional love of God. Mm-hmm. Well, we've had that same statement made about the political parties, too. Like, I like the Arthur Brooks approach of, you know, we agree that, you know, let's, let's pick a topic. Like, poverty is our greatest challenge. We agree on that we might disagree on how to fix it, but mm-hmm. let's sit here and, and recognize that we both agree that, that it needs to be fixed and we, you know, we're partners in that. Um, that's a beautiful approach. Thank you. Yeah, you could have preached last weekend. That was the uh, parable. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Well, maybe you guys will see us in the pews. Maybe you'll see us secretly. Yay. 
I don't know. It seems like I, I, I seem to be the more secret one. Actually. I don't know why. I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm not that way. I just feel like I have all these kids and energy once I come in. It's like, I'm here. So you might just need to kind of temper it and go slowly. <laughs> sort of like Kramer when she comes in a room. <laughs> I'd like to think I'm a little more eloquent. <laughs> yeah, totally. Just kidding. Yeah, all right. Yeah. But thank you guys so yeah. much. This has been wonderful. And it's given thank us, like, you. it's been a nice way to kind of, um, to you know, as this series evolves, to kind of talk about, you know, these happier, more positive solutions. Right, T? Absolutely. Yeah. I hope that our kids are going to reach out to you and, and yeah. be a part of this community and, and a, you know, one step, one step, what do you guys say, one step deeper? What's yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Or is that yeah. old now? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It is a little old, but yeah. It's been a while since it, I've yep. been to St. Luke's. Deeper. <laughs> All right. Um, Thank but yeah, you guys. because the joy of the Lord is our strength. I mean, it is really, I think it, it gives us our, our hope and our joy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think you'll find it. The more, the deeper you go into your faith, the jo- more joy, joy you'll find. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you.